0: How would you grade the Kansas City Royals season from a year ago? A season that ends with firing your manager, with firing your pitching coach, with firing your longtime executive, baseball operations president, general manager, Dayton Moore. How would you grade that if I told you all of that happened way back in February? We'll dive into all that and more coming up on today's Locked On Royals podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team's every day. You are Locked On Royals, your daily Kansas City Royals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Royals podcast. On the Lockdown Podcast Network, it's your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Stiles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Stiles. Follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Royals. Email the show, lockdownroyals at gmail.com. On today's show, we're going to dive into the Royals season recap. What a season it was, huh, for the Kansas City Royals. We'll talk highs, we'll talk lows, we'll talk grades, and we'll talk everything involving this season for the Kansas City Royals on today's show. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Royals your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Royals baseball. Subscribe for free across all platforms so you never miss an episode, another loaded week. So, so far this week, we've talked the hiring, of a new skipper in town. We're talking right now about recapping the season that was. We'll talk Wednesday about the playoff lessons that the Royals can learn from the teams that are in the playoffs. We'll talk on Thursday about checking in on some former Royal players who the Royals traded away this season. And on Friday, we're gonna look forward. We've looked back at Dayton Moore's tenure. We're looking back at the season today, but looking forward, let's set it up. Let's set the baseline for before the offseason, before the hot stove you know, or the stove gets turned on and gets warmed up and gets hot, before pitchers and catchers report and surprise Arizona, before all of that. Let's talk expectations. What does Matt Q have to do? What does Mr. Sherman have to do? What does JJ Pacoya have to do to make this year a success? That's all coming up this week on Locked On Royal. Subscribe for free across all podcasting platforms, including on YouTube. Also, for your second listen today, go check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, breaking down all the biggest stories across every single sport in 30 minutes or less each and every day. Check it out today. Also got Locked On Chiefs. Also got your favorite Locked On College, NFL, uh, NBA, MLB, NHL teams available for you, so go check those out as well. This season was rough, right? We can all admit it was rough, and really more so than most seasons. You know, the Royals have been bad for most of my lifetime, which means they've been bad for the better part of the last 24 years. There's only been, you know, 14, 15 2016, 2013, I'd say even a fun baseball to watch. That's it. The rest of it has been brutal. But this season, even though you didn't quite lose a hundred games, was well, just awful. Finishing worst in the division, taking a huge step backward, not forward, and you didn't even have that raw, raw moment. You typically do. You know, the, the typical story for the Royals had been start terrible, do all right in the middle, have a great end. And that great end propels you to the offseason. Oh, look, these young guys are getting better. Oh, look, these young guys are progressing. Next year is the year. You just didn't have that. Now, you had that individually where Brady Singer just, has just been a, a superstar, you know, since June 1st or whatever the. Marker, as you want to push it back to, he's just been he's been lights out. He's been a Cy Young caliber pitcher since that date. You've had some individual bright spots, but the team never won. The team never really uh, had a great stretch, necessarily, and they finished the year 65 and 97. They finished 27 games out of first place. In the worst division in baseball by far, twenty-seven games out of first place in the worst division in baseball by far. Baseball adds the most playoff teams they've ever had in in a setting in which I know that you can look back at the COVID year, but this setup, I think, is more genuinely convincing of that. Right, uh, of the most plus spots they've had. Because you're not taking the top two from each division. You're just taking straight up division winners and then three of the remaining best teams. And yet the Royals were still 21 games out of a playoff spot this year. The second worst team in the entire American League, only behind, or I should say only ahead of, the A's who were purposely trying to be awful. Like a legitimately tanking team. That's the only team that you finished better than in the AL. So safe to say this season wasn't a success because let's see what happened, you know, in the preseason, right? You, you go back to last year, you go back to spring training, you go back to the winter meetings, you go back to Thanksgiving. I think that those are three of the big milestones in baseball in terms of setting expectation levels. Because, you know, right when the season ends, you don't want to set any expectations. It's just too raw, too fresh, really. You know, right now, you can kind of start to put the pieces together of what went wrong, what went right, and maybe what you can look forward to. Thanksgiving, maybe you've seen one trade. Or maybe you've seen one move. Maybe you've heard of a rumor that will hold you over until the winter meetings in, you know, mid-December. Winter meetings come and go. That's the Rule 5 draft. It's arbitration stuff. It's trades. It's free agency signings, all that good stuff. And then, of course, with pictures and catchers support. Those are all landmarks of in which you can start to piece together how you view the season, how you view a certain team, how you view a certain organization. And if I told you at each and every one of those landmarks last offseason that the Royals would be the worst team in the Central, they'd be 21 games out of a playoff spot, and that they would fire their manager, fire their pitching coach, and fire uh, Dayton Moore, you'd probably look at me like I have three heads. You'd look at me like I have three heads and you'd call me the most pessimistic, idiotic person in the world. Let's not do revisionist history here, folks. Back then, the goal was finishing either in the playoffs, which might have been a bit overzealous, obviously, without the season band out, but a realistic goal, even from non-Royals fans and non-Royals media, a realistic goal was, you know five to ten games back of a playoff spot. That wasn't too much to ask for. This team just could not get out of their own way. They didn't have the right structure in place. They didn't have the right clubhouse attitude. They didn't have the right leadership. And so they faltered. So when you're grading the season, it's pretty easy to deem this a failure. It's pretty easy to to deem this an unsuccessful one. but my question would be why So let's talk about what the Royals sold you on. let's talk about how they found a way to fall short of it and let's talk about where the Royals go from here all coming up but first I want to tell you right now about good friends over at bet online folks bet online is your number one source for all of your pro, Football, college, football, college, basketball, NBA, basketball, MLB, World Series, NHL, UFC, MMA, golf, all that fun stuff. It's, it's your home for betting on all those sports. One of the more interesting parts I find at BetOnline, on top of having the best lines and odds and props and info, they have great articles and podcasts and, and everything to help you bet. One of the more interesting parts, though, is those prop bets. Uh, I love looking at the odds for who will win NFL MVP and who will who will finish in what spot of each division in the NFL. I love looking at you know their early um, odds for next year's World Series winner. I love looking at their award odds for you know the the MLB awards that are going to be announced here shortly. I love looking at all that fun stuff. So check it out today and explore the site, betonline.net. Go check them out today, betonline.net. We are back on the Lockdown Royals podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Royals your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Royals baseball. For your next listen, go check out the Lockdown Sports Today podcast. And also, of course, check out Lockdown Chiefs across the parking lot. Off of a bye week, they traded for Tooney, they are having a good season, of course, so check out. Lockdown Chiefs five days a week, talking about your Chiefs. We're five days a week as well from now until the winter meetings. Then we're going to bump down to three days a week, then ramp back up to five days a week once pitchers and catchers report to surprise Arizona. Another thing that you can do is tweet at Lockdown Royals or comment on YouTube and give me a grade for every player that you want to. You know, I'm going to do a player review for each and every player on the roster uh, by position. You can do... Um, a review yourself of those position groups just as a whole, like outfield, in, infield, whatever, you know, that you want to do. Or you can go even further and drop your reviews and grades uh, for each player if you want to. So check that out today as as well. And do that in the comment section below while you're listening to this podcast. So the Royals failed. I think that we can all agree. I don't think that anyone, even the deepest, darkest, pessimistic fan, I don't think that anyone thought that the Royals would be flirting with the 100-loss season this year. But Why? The Royals, throughout this whole rebuild, even dating back to 2017, they'd always earmarked 2022. 2022. 2022. Then we got to 2022, and then it was all of a sudden... 2023 is actually the year. It's actually 2023. So they knew early on that this was not going to be a playoff year or a huge breakout year. But no one knew it would be this bad. And the first thing that went wrong for them is Whit Merrifield. I mean, Whit Merrifield went from two-hit wit and this lovable, likable player and um, a guy that is a utility player that you just have an entire fan base dedicated to to having the worst season of his career in Kansas City. Look at his numbers in Kansas City this year. He has a career low in every hitting category, a career low in every fielding category. He was just awful. He was just awful in Kansas City. So when one of your main catalysts for this team just sucks, right? Let's call it what it is. Just sucks. That really dampens the load. And I think that as this story gets told... Right, as, as we learn more about what happened this season, if there's ever a think piece on what, what went wrong with the Royals in the last year of Dayton Moore, I think that we'll find out that Whit Merrifield also just wasn't bought in to the Royals. Now, the, the, this is speculatory, but I find it interesting that the Royals were selling you on, hey, this team's going to compete. Hey, this team might contend for a playoff spot. Mike Matheny's telling you all throughout surprise that, you know, this team has what it takes to make the playoffs. And yet, Whitmerfield's not vaccinated, but it's not as though he just doesn't want to be vaccinated. He said, whenever he got, you know, found out as a non-vaccinated player, he said right then and there, if, if it was a contending team, I would be vaccinated. Which is why he was able to get traded to Toronto. And then immediately get vaccinated and go play for Toronto. It wasn't as though it was some high horse or some I don't want the vaccine type of move from Whitmerfield. It was a yeah, you know, I'm not in love with the idea, and also, we am not on a good team. And he made that decision up before the year even started, that, that this team was not worthy of him getting a vaccine, but the Blue Jays were. That, to me, shows a lack of buy-in from what was perceived to be your biggest leader. And then, you know, Bobby Witt Jr. did not have a Outworldly year, still had a good year, and there's still a ton of optimism around what Bobby Witt Jr. can be in the future. And I still think that Bobby Witt Jr. should be regarded as, at worst, the second best kind of young player that that that, that there is behind, of course, Julio Rodriguez, who's just been incredible. No, so I still believe in Bobby Witt Jr. I don't want that. I don't want that to get confused. But I'm just saying he was not otherworldly. He was not Julio Rodriguez. He was not. A all star, and he might not even finish top. You know, he might not even finish top two in rookie of the year voting. Could finish finish like fourth, right? Could finish behind. Of course, Rodriguez is going to win it, and then might finish behind Pena and Rutschman even. So, I mean, he was not just take the world by storm uh, as an all around player. Now, the speed was there, uh, the defense was there, despite the metrics not really backing that up. But like the eye test did, you know, with the defense, it was kind of a weird thing. Uh, And then, you know, the the hit tool is fine, but has a ton of ceiling and a ton of room to continue to grow. And I think that he will grow into that. I want to reiterate, I think that Bob Jr. will still be an all-star, will still be a a, a great, great player for you, and still be a great player in his career. I think that he'll be an all-star multiple times in his career. But in terms of his rookie year, his first swing at things in the big leagues, like most players, he didn't hit the ground running as such a great player. He was a nice player. But for this team to kind of... Get over the hump, right? And to kind of have a breakout year, they needed Whitmer. They, they needed Whitmer for to be good. They needed By Whit Jr. to have just be an all-worldly player like who the Rodriguez was. They needed Salvador Perez to play well, and they needed their young pitchers to pitch well. And they just didn't. Which again, now you fall into this thing where it's kind of a double-edged sword. It's kind of a uh, you know, a, are you a glass half full or half empty kind of person? Because Yes, the young pitchers did not pitch well. Besides Brady Singer uh, this year, Brady Singer was incredible. The rest of them were not very good. But you've now fired your pitching coach, and it was clear that the pro- some of the problem was on Cal Eldridge. I mean, that, that is that is a hundred percent factual that some of the problem rested with Cal. Now he's gone, so now you sit on your hands and you wonder. Okay, with uh, with a new set of eyeballs on them both in a managerial role, and also in a pitching coach role, what does Daniel Lynch become? How good can Jackson Coar be? Is, you know, Carlos Hernandez a thing? Like, what do we do here? Does that change the way the organization as a whole views pitching? And from top down, you see a huge revelation and a huge outburst from all their pitchers, major league level and minor league level as a whole? Or do these guys just suck? Like Not to put it crudely, but did you just miss on all your draft picks? You invested in, in, you know, in high picks on Lynch, on Singer, on Coar, you know, on Asa Lacy, on all these guys, and they might just not be any good besides Singer. But they also might have been getting terrible developmental advice and terrible uh, coaching and terrible uh, situations to be put in. So you can take either side and not be called wrong. You, You can't call either one of those things wrong if you want to believe, look, there's no way these guys were so talented in college. And now they get to the to the pro level and they are just bad. There's just no way. It has to be coaching. If you want to proclaim that, I can't say that you're wrong. And if you want to say, look, the Royals are bad talent evaluators. These guys get here and they're not any good. They're just not good no matter who the pitching coach is. I can't definitively say you're wrong at that point either. So, again, this offseason will be another year of how do you personally want to view this team? Glass half full? Our glass half empty. And that is a great thing or a scary thing. So, when I look at the future for the team. And we'll talk about this on Friday more in depth. But there's comfort to me. In knowing it can't get worse. Technically, could you lose more games? Yes, they did not lose 162 games. Therefore, they could lose more games than they lost this year. Because this year, they didn't even lose 100 games. But in my opinion, realistically, even taking off the royal colored glasses, and just looking at this team objectively, Looking at the moves that they made, looking at the investment that they say they're going to make in the off season, this team can't get worse, right? This is the bottom. You've hit your rock bottom by firing three key pieces of your organization, and now you've you've actually added a couple new pieces, right? In my opinion, you've added a new owner. I know that Sherman's had the title for the last couple of years, but he's a new owner. Like this, it's now his show. You're no longer being courteous to Dayton Moore and letting him kind of run things and, and run rough shop in Kansas City. It's his show now. He's getting his guys in place. So you've got a new owner, you know, not in name, but you know in, in practice. You got a new manager. You're going to have a new pitching coach. And a new executive calling the shots. A new top dog in Jeppcoia. So, with all of this newness, becomes new philosophy, becomes you know new ideas on how to improve this roster, on how to maximize the guys on the roster that you already have, and you get another year of built-in development for Bobby Witt Jr., who I think will be a superstar, MJ Melendez, who has been who was really good in his rookie year. And then guys like Nick Prado and Vinny Pascantino who have shown you flashes at the big league level. That's before you even mention any of the other young guys. So I, I, I find comfort in this can't get worse. Like this is the bottom. And I'm encouraged, so that's the comfort. I'm encouraged that this team, in all likelihood, is going to operate more in line with the way they should operate based on who they're hiring right now, based on what Sherman has said, I believe that this organization will start to operate like that of the Rays, like that of the Guardians. Where you're just cutthroat, you focus on talent evaluation, you focus on winning in the margins, you don't focus on, you know, stuff like, you know, fan favorites or uh, what a guy had done for you before. You focus on projections and what they uh, are doing for you current day and not giving them lifetime achievement awards. Like you, you, you're, you're more crude because in a small market, you have to be. All those things give me encouragement, including the fact that we're at rock bottom right now. But you know what? Being at rock bottom means that the climb up and the eventual planting your flag moment on the mountaintop will be that much sweeter. So, Be along for the ride. We laid out what's ahead of you for the uh, next uh, upcoming week. We'll see you on Wednesday for another podcast here on Lockdown Royals. Until then, be good and be good to one another.